0: He
2: did. Hello, and Welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined by Sean Siegel, co host here, co host of the Stealing Bananas podcast with Ben Gretsch. Make sure you are checking that out. Also, three shows a week from them, as well as three shows a week from ourselves. As I've been looking for in the last number of episodes, we are looking for player suggestions for the entrance theme to the show i have uh, a number of suggestions that have come in over the last week and a half at the moment some of the favorites that will be on that list um are travis kelsey who's in there Stefan diggs is getting a lot of love we have kyler murray mentioned Devonte adams and um, we had a lot of kj hamler love we've had suggestions for uh, james connor after he had his week three so wh- any suggestions you want to send send them my way and we'll uh, update that over the next couple of weeks the other part we're looking for too is questions non-football questions for myself and sean we'll do a q a as a bonus show after episode 300 so send them over as well but sean we're on the eve of. i keep saying this we're on the eve of the sunday which is my love of the nfl week i guess but uh Sunday is going to be week four. It used to be the quarter point of the season that is now just short of that. Uh, Looking forward to this week.
3: I am. And one of the things we'll be tracking is whether or not these rookie quarterbacks can bounce back a little bit. It was a rough week again for Trevor Lawrence, who throws the pick six on sort of the the ill fated, ill-timed flea flicker there, where probably just a normal play would have worked better for the Jaguars. We had the debut of Justin Fields as a starter, and uh, he was completely hung out to dry by the Chicago Bears. (laughs) If if you want to hear a very emotional diatribe about that one, check out our first ceiling Banana Show of the Week where Ben breaks that down for you. Zach Wilson has struggled. The Jets aren't scoring any points. They do have some kind of interesting weapons around him, but until Elijah Moore really emerges, they've got to get Denzel Mims out there, right? I mean, you can't keep saying, okay, well, we like him, but he needs to do this and this when you're not giving your rookie quarterback anybody to throw to, right? I mean, we've always loved Corey Davis. We want Corey Davis to do well. I think he can come back and have a solid season. He did have a good game in week one, although we mentioned at the time that he was a definite sell high at that point. And, uh, you know, now they're in a situation where they just think they need some more guys to to help them out there. So they're not doing well. Blair has a cool piece on the site discussing the rookie quarterbacks and how their expected points added. Again, a reality stat that Matt Spencer has added into the Monday review tool. They're trailing the quarterback position. And so, you know, we had last season. I think that it was a little bit bizarre that people were not – I shouldn't say people were not on Joe Burrow, but and, and some of that is obviously injury related. But one of the things that I mentioned in a variety of articles this offseason was that his rookie season, you pull up the road of his screener, you lose use the similarity search function, and you know, you see Andrew Luck showing up as one of the main guys and a very, very close comp for him and for his rookie season. The fact that Justin Herbert was even better. Only means that you've got these two exciting young guys to, to look at there. And then, you know, Tua, maybe he bounces back a little bit. But that's a situation where you had these two stars and then you had a quarterback who struggled a little bit. A lot of QBs were drafted early. We drafted some of the mobile quarterbacks late in redraft. These guys were going extremely early in Superflex. Column, I had some Superflex teams where I passed on quarterbacks even though I desperately needed them because I just, I want to have – Even if it takes more time and patience, I want to load these teams with the superstars. I'm not going to pass on a Jamar Chase for, you know, a Zach Wilson, a Mac Jones type of prospect. At the same time, Mac Jones, I think that he's looked pretty good. Now, they have this game against the Saints. We know the Saints, uh, their own offense struggled in this one, but their defense has played extremely well. You watched what they did, and we all kind of watched in horror what they did to the Green Bay Packers in week one. He throws 51 passes in this game, completes 30 of them. He's doing it with three guys as his main receivers who probably all should be a wide receiver three. He gets 90-plus yards to Kendrick Bourne and to Jacoby Myers. He loses his receiving back early, so he doesn't have that element he throws the three interceptions, but the pick six was really on Janu Smith, a terrible play by one of their big free agent signings there. That play changed the game. And, you know, it'd be interesting to kind of know, you know, be inside the locker room, hear them discuss that. But that looked like a receiver issue there, sort of uh, hitting the ball, almost lateraling it to the defense for the score. The third pick is on the final play of the game. I mean, you're just trying to, to make some plays there. He's only sacked twice on those 53 dropbacks. He carries the ball six times for 28 yards, shows some decent mobility. I mean, he's not going to be a guy who takes off and runs like a Daniel Jones or a Josh Allen, certainly not going to be a guy like a Lamar Jackson or or Kyler Murray, but for a big guy with a solid arm, he moves pretty well. I think the Patriots actually have to be pretty excited about who they have. (laughs) What it's going to come down to for them is whether or not they ever add some weapons and colin we talked in the last show about do we want to add Deshaun jackson we definitely do is it too early to start uh looking to put Nikhil harry back on rosters
2: <laughs> i don't know it's hard it's really hard to figure out it used to be a situation with running backs in new england you couldn't be 100 percent sure where the usage was going to be it just seems to be now all positions in new england we don't really know what is going to happen there uh, mac jones the one word i would kind of pin on him is he looks professional he looks established It, it doesn't look like it's just his third game so there is mistakes there but he looks very calm and composed the one stat i was going to pull from this sean is for justin fields who i'm a big fan of i know that you're a fan of as well he had more he was sacked more times than he had completions this past week he got sacked nine times and it's six completions which is <laughs> is not ideal for any offense so we'll see there's a lot of uh negativity around the bears at the moment but um hopefully things will start to pick up there and i know those questions around why are they starting dalton maybe they know that whoever's at quarterback is going to get pretty beat up in this offense so it might make sense to not have Fields in there uh, getting destroyed behind that offensive line at the moment. But we are going to start to look, Sean, a little bit towards the running back position. Um, we do this on pretty much every week. We've looked at the 0RB uh, report. But I'm going to leave the floor open to you for where you want to dive into first. Is there a, a backfield that generated some intrigue uh, after week three for you that you are trying to pinpoint for the rest of the season?
3: Yeah, and so, you know, on our Saturday show, we'll be kind of looking at elements like, you know, it, they won't be start-set questions, obviously, but kind of thinking through how we might do start sit kind of globally. We'll be looking at, you know, how you might move for some trades on the day before the game, on the morning before the game, how you might be looking to sort of make some free agent moves a week early. Now, whether it's a week early or a week late, can decide – You know, that can depend on the size of the league, right? If you're in a league that essentially has 14 roster spots for non-kicker in defense versus one with 18 and one with 20, then different numbers of players will be rostered. And uh, a week early for a week late has a different definition. But we'll be you know, looking ahead by trying to understand these depth charts. It's never a bad time to kind of go back and think through what's happened in the game. And one of the games that I had a chance to watch sort of late it wasn't one of the ones that i binged on sunday was this buffalo washington game really a sort of high profile uh, tilt here you know washington they have the quarterback position unsettled but a good defense they've got some playmakers on offense they've had some good moments the bills obviously playing toward a super bowl and so everything that they do is sort of gauged on whether or not they can accomplish that objective and you look at the stats for the Bills running backs, and it feels like an apocalyptic Sunday for Devin Singletary. Watching the game, it didn't have quite that same feel, right? So I don't know that it's quite as much of a changing of the guard as it feels like, but we look at this game, we look at this situation. Moss led 16 to 13 in opportunities, he led 14.5 to 10.3 in terms of total ep and so now when we're talking about ep we're talking about expected fantasy points and so he had the edge there he scores that seven yard receiving touchdown that gets him uh, obviously in a situation where he's going to outperform in terms of fantasy points over expectation he adds 3.6 of those he has an 18 point game meanwhile singletary struggles he has minus 6.7 and goes on and scores you know just three and a half and so you're looking at these two guys and it feels like they're in very different directions i thought they both looked solid I, I was hoping to see even more highlight plays from moss because one of the things that we like here is to really get a strong feel for what's going to happen moss had some carries inside the 10 single does come back in and get a carry inside the five late now he doesn't score on it but you know a carry from the four yard line you're not always going to punch those in the rushing touchdown that Josh Allen had was on a very clear attended pass play where the defense dropped back. They had a lot of guys to cover uh, defense kind of breakdown. He jogs in now that wasn't a designed run to him. So I don't think that we necessarily have to be extremely worried that they're, you know, again, not going to feature their running backs down by the goal line. One of the things I said after week one, it seems like it's happening. You know, we could be here another week later and be like, Nope, we're, we're right back to, to Josh Allen having all these carries, but he got beat the living daylights out of him in week one that's not what you want from your superstar in this game you know and you can say well they they were winning easily so you don't want to risk your quarterback in a game that they're winning so easily but he's dropped back he's passing the ball well there were a couple of opportunities for big plays to Stefan Diggs that didn't materialize but he got a lot of touches for Cole Beasley he had the two touchdowns to Emmanuel Sanders I like the way this offense is looking. We know that the Bills running backs are going to have that kind of New England Patriots sort of of the past vibe, the one that you just referred to. But when you consider how difficult it is to find starting running backs, even among the guys who are drafted early, which is the reason we don't draft them early, then these two guys are very, very relevant. You want to keep track of them. You want to add them if you can. They're, again, bye week options. Singletary could break out a couple of long plays next week and everything could look different, right? So we'll want to keep tracking this. Moss had a number of carries inside the 10. He did have more EP. He did score the receiving touchdown. One of the things that we've kind of discussed sort of throughout with the, with the bills is that Singletary, probably the bigger talent, his peripherals are fantastic. You know, he always pops in the advanced stats and that kind of thing. Moss probably the guy who is the better fit for high value touches in fantasy more likely to get the goal line carries. He's a, a big back who can catch some passes. We saw him use in the passing game this week. And so kind of balance those two elements. Uh, it's, it's always tempting to chase the guy who just had a big game because we know the coaches are human and there's a strong possibility that they'll emphasize that player. The next week you have another good week and you could be off to the races. Keep those things in mind. I continue to recommend trying to get as many shares of both of these guys as possible.
2: Yeah, no, I would agree. If you were looking rest of the way, have you a preference? I I find it quite interesting that we had the situation where Moss didn't play week one, came back in and looks to potentially be in a better role now than Singletary, who looks extremely explosive. Um, Do you think that Singletary is still the gay rest of the season or do you think it's just a 1A, 1B split the rest of the way?
3: Well, Singletary was still in more or less the lead back role here, right? He starts the first half. He starts the second half. He gets one of their high value touches late in the game. The edge that Moss got in terms of overall touches really came once the starters are even out of the game. And so, you know, you have some positive points for Singletary there, and we know the talent is there. It looks like the Bills are going to create more holes in this game. And one of the things that happened in this one, Singletary tackled right after he got the ball a lot of times. And so his overall efficiency numbers look bad. Some of that is going to be fluky. Some of that they might put on him. He did have a pass early on. He didn't appear to make that great of an effort for, uh, he seemed to think it was going to be in a different spot, but it's still a bad look. If you don't try and make a great play after, you know, you you weren't on the same page with the QB they had, a fourth down play where, you know, he catches the ball and gets stopped right before the line to gain. He was kind of off balance as he's making the move to the line to gain, but that was a bad play. And, you know, when you look at some of these players and there are these plays that are going to stick in the coach's mind, you can do a lot of great things, but then if you don't come through and you don't fight on a, an extremely high leverage play in the game, then, you know, that's going to work against you. And so we'll see how much that matters when they go back and they watch the film. And, you know, it can't even be something where, you know, we have the fantasy stats, we have the EP numbers. We know that Moss was better in this game. It, it would be interesting to know what the coaches evaluation was, because I said, you know, I went and watched the game and it actually wasn't this huge split. Moss didn't look incredible. Singletary didn't look terrible. And yet there were a couple of plays where if I'm the coach, I would have just wanted Singletary to try harder. And so that for me is a little bit of a red flag. And uh, yeah, with the high value touch advantage that he has, I think Moss is the guy that you would prefer to have. But again, I mean, there are so many different paths, so and different scenarios and ways that this backfield could play out. I think that you're better off just trying to continue to accumulate. I know there are a lot of people and a lot of very sharp, fantasy minds who are completely off both of these guys don't really think there's a great way for either of them to score points. But, you know, the last couple of weeks we've seen that. I just think that when you have guys, you believe in the talent. And we don't think that either one of these guys are stars. But if you're a slightly above average NFL player, that's a big deal, right? We have guys like Peyton Barber having big weeks. If you're a slightly above average player, that's someone that you want, especially in this offense, to score so many points. And we talked in the previous show about the – big advantage and just what a huge role quarterback play was having for wide receiver scoring. We're not necessarily going to have that same element or the same degree as it relates to running backs. But, you know, you look at a team like the Buffalo bills, it's a little bit fluky in some ways that they haven't had a lot of carries from, you know, the one yard line, the two yard line, those plays are going to be coming when your team is a threat to score 40 points every single week. Then there are a lot of points to go around it's not going to be to emmanuel sanders and and dawson knox on most weekends
0: hey everybody this is dave caben from the rotoviz flagship podcast just stopping by to say thank you for listening to rotoviz radio we're offering our listeners a special 10 percent discount when they use the promo code rvradio radio 2021 at checkout Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
2: Sean, the player I want to take up here, Justin mentioned there was no real split in the backfield last week. He pretty much got all the work, and that was because Dalvin Cook was out, and that was Alexander Madison, who had a very impressive game in terms of uh, the workload he got, in terms of what he did with that workload. Looked very, very strong in their victory versus the Seahawks. Did finish that one with eight targets, six receptions, and also got 96% off the carries as well. So I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on madison now that you know well whether cook's back this week or not but has he shown enough here to get himself a split should cook owners be concerned about it or should madison owners be happy that maybe he has some standalone value are we just going to reverse back to the Dalvin cook show if cook is healthy it's going to be cook
3: right it's a situation where he's just too good I'm blown away by him every single time I watch him we had that situation in week one where the Cardinals just completely shut down Derrick Henry they come back out they're in position to make a lot of those same plays against Cook and he suddenly just disappears I mean he looks like one of these old school video game running backs where he just has powers that the rest of the people on the field don't have and When you have that at the running back position, then you become one of the handful of guys who can single-handedly change a football game at a position where it's just, it's so difficult to do. One of the discussions uh, that Matt and Blair were having, Blair talks about it a little bit of this article is just in terms of this reality expected points added stat, you know, how much it dislikes running plays because running plays are so inefficient. Cook is one of these rare guys where you can actually hand him the ball and feel like it's going to help, your team's performance so it's going to be him right he's too good the thing that the development here that really does matter though is a situation where madison gets the full workload when he's out and that's something that's relevant because one of the things that we see every week is that you have the backup and you have the starter injury and then someone else comes in and plays a big role so all we have to do is look at peyton barter barber who had 22 expected points last week right 22 expected points for Peyton Barber, and see that, okay, well, all of these situations where we think it's going to be the guy, where we think it's going to be Kenyon Drake, now, you and I weren't quite as high on Drake, we could still end up being wrong on that. Again, one of our main things from Monday show is, you now have a little bit of patience and humility about calling yourself right or wrong uh, through three weeks, but, you know, one of the reasons that we're on that situation with. Edmonds and Connor is that we think if Edmonds were to go out, then Connor has this massive value and we think he has standalone value, which unfortunately we finally did get a little bit there in week three, but we don't know that for sure, right? I mean, Eno Benjamin is still there. Now, granted, you know, most of the time he's not even active, but he's someone we like, he's on the team. They could go to a guy, it could be a split that no one anticipates until it happens. One of the things we kind of saw below the radar this last week in Cincinnati is that Chris Evans is in there catching some passes. If Joe Mixon goes down, it doesn't look like it will be purely Samaj P. Ryan. That matters because as you're using your last roster spots, it just doesn't make that much sense to burn one if the starter is both healthy and the backup role isn't secure. In a situation in Minnesota, Alexander Madison had 26.7 expected points last week. He underperformed that just slightly. He's not an explosive player. He didn't get any huge luck plays in his favor last week. He was under a little bit as a rusher. He was even as a receiver, but you know, you mentioned the overall performance. He has 112 yards. He has the eight targets. I mean, this is an offense that has Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, and he managed to get a 21% target share. So, the fact that it was just him as the backup, that's very, very relevant for someone who has Cook in Dynasty and is trying to decide, you know, oh, <laughs> in that league that I referenced, I think, uh, on Thursday, when Curtis and I have Dalvin Cook, we, we constantly get offers from the Madison uh, <laughs> participant who uh, wants us to pay a lot for Madison as the handcuff, and we obviously always decline those offers. Uh, but at the same time, if an offer ever came in that was a little bit more balanced or we got to the point where we felt like we had a roster spot. I mean, one of the things with taking these handcuffs is simply that, you know, you don't have the roster spots to burn in the majority of situations. Now I think that's more palatable, it's more intriguing because the Vikings have demonstrated, you know, how much they like him as the backup. There have been some points in the last couple of off seasons where it looked like he might really have some competition for that role, Every week is a new week, right? If they continue to have cookout, you know, you could come back next week and they'd be like, oh, you know, Madison had, you know, more than a hundred yards from scrimmage, and yet we still don't like what he did. Let's get some other guys involved. You don't know, but this was a very positive sign for him, and uh, the Vikings offense. Uh, for me, it all comes back. To Justin Jefferson, but you know, you get there inside the 10. Adam Thielen is going to develop superpowers. He's going to be unguardable. The defense is going to forget that the first direction Kirk Cousins is looking is a hint there. He runs that slant. You're like, well, the defender doesn't have leverage on that one. That's an easy touchdown, and it is. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you have these plays. The Vikings' offense looks good. Kirk Cousins looks good. We give Kirk Cousins a hard time. He's played very well the last couple of weeks. I like this offense. Yeah, it was, it was a good showing for Madison there.
2: The other final part before we go into a couple of listener questions, Sean, that I wanted to head on was uh, Carvin Young has a piece on the website this week as well. He's doing phenomenal work up there. I think I've used the word phenomenal more this week than ever. I'm going to have to figure out a, a new word to implement in here. We'll say fantastic. Um, but he mentioned one of our old favorites, not in terms of a football player, but in terms of a by low David Montgomery looks to be falling into that category again. Sean, can we see him uh, repeat on the investment that that we would have seen last year if, if people acquired him at that kind of mid-season point?
3: Well, we don't want to give the impression that we are David Montgomery fanatics overall, right?
2: I, I don't think I don't think we've given that impression on this okay, show. Okay, good. Like, good. At good. any point, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes. no we. We'll continue we like to, look to at some run of the, to
2: see football games.
3: Right. We'll, we'll look at some of the things that the, this <laughs> offense does as it goes forward. One of the notes we had last week was, you know, Justin Fields, let's see, you know, are there going to be passes to the running back? You know, is this rushing quarterback? One of the things I think that's a little bit overstated probably is whether or not Justin Fields really even qualifies in that category. The, the Bears certainly don't think that he does. They did not use him like that. But, you know, is it going to – siphon some of the high value touches for him it turned out those questions were more or less beside the point when your offense is as bad as the bears was you know you don't need to get into well are we losing high value touches you've just lost everything right but as the offense bounces back tries to be a little bit more viable next week we'll have to track some of those elements we know that montgomery is going to break tackles is he going to go in then and create yards Will the Bears have goal line touches? I think some of those things are still up in the air. For me to ever have Montgomery, I would want it to be a situation like it was last year where we see a very clear-cut stretch where not just that he's got a good schedule, but that he's got an off-the-charts schedule. You know, Outside of that, I think that you probably want to still avoid that situation there. Colin, we've got some cool questions from the readers. What are we looking at this week?
2: So we got one in from Chris, and this is a common theme. Some of the questions I've kind of tie them together because they are coming in from different people around a very similar topic but we did talk last week about you know making moves and you know cutting people and moving on from them but something that has come in then is around trades and he's wondering do does he you know try and get an upgrade at running back by getting rid of some of the wide receivers that are on his bench or should he stay firm and stay put um and and go with what he has based on how things are going to play. If if some of them get hurt and just play the waivers in terms of the running back position, um, in terms, Sean, of the question as a whole, what I think that the tricky part for people, and I think again I mentioned it earlier this week when I was saying about people kind of after three weeks thinking the season is done and dusted that they were right or they were wrong or the season isn't going to work out. I think we have to like look at playing the long game. And I talked about the. Uh, you know the bye weeks and how that's going to affect some things and how the injuries affect some things. I am always reluctant when people are looking to move away from the wide receivers, especially at this point of the season where the true value of those positions hasn't been able to come into play. So, what's your thoughts on having depth at the wide receiver position at this point? Let's say week three, but things are looking a little bit uh, dicey uh, or unoptimal, I guess, at, at the the running back position. I would be sent to, to play play the long game and see a tree play the waiver wire and see how it all plays out. But would you in a league where you can trade, do you think you'd be trying to trade some of those talented wide receivers away to to move into a running back?
3: I'm really looking to add running backs if it's a very clear-cut opportunity. And and by clear-cut, I mean if you're able to trade a receiver you drafted in the fifth or sixth or seventh round for someone who was drafted in you know the, the first second turn. I mean if you're having situations where a wide receiver you drafted in round five or six, you can now flip for an Aaron Jones or a Najee Harris, then yeah, do that. Because one of the things you've now realized is this massive return on investment. One of the reasons why we would draft some of these receivers in the first place. If you're making a lateral move, then you're almost certainly going to lose in the long run, right? For those reasons that you mentioned. Now, we've referenced a bunch of teams where we have T. Higgins and Jerry Judy and, you know, maybe lost a first round pick as well and are still in very good position. they not, not as good as we would have been, right? I mean, you can't lose Higgins and Judy and say, oh, well, that makes no difference because we have those guys as very, very high ceiling players. But overall, the team still looks good. You start to move off of these players and then you can be in trouble in a real hurry. You know, if you have AJ Brown, uh, someone we referenced earlier in the week, if you have, if, if you followed our plan, and one of the things we always say is if you're struggling, you probably didn't draft enough wide receivers. If you followed zero RB the way that we've discussed it, you still have the weapons to get you through. It doesn't mean you're not frustrated because number one, that's a star. Number two, you know, you lost the points. And one of the things that's the most frustrating is when guys get hurt at the beginning of a week. I mean, someone missing a week is nothing compared to somebody putting up basically a zero because they got hurt at the beginning of the game. So it's not that those things don't matter, but you can get through them. If you start to trade away your receivers, then you don't have that. And so when the next Peyton Barber comes up, the next Quirrell Patterson comes up, you know, when Hubbard, and we're going to get to Hubbard in just a second, when his opportunity arises, then you have opportunities to not just improve your running backs, but get to where your running backs are actually equal or better than the people who drafted running backs in the first three or four rounds. And you know, you add them, then you're trying to decide, well, you know, which running backs am I playing in the flex? As soon as you change your team around to where now that's the discussion, you know you've gone in the wrong direction.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that as well. And you mentioned uh, Hubbard, he's somebody who's come up in a lot of different questions. This week, a lot of people talking about you know, I I haven't really had this issue of the how much to spend on him because he's on a lot of rosters. We talked about the value of him, um, in dynasty, and we talked about the value of him in redraft formats. A number of the uh, teams that we have together have him in there as well. So, a question that did come in was somebody who did draft him but then dropped him, and then we were into the waiver process. So, Greg messaged in. He said he's just wondering whether there's anything. Uh, that m- me or sean uh, can do to calm his nerves read the state of his home league team he so he went full zero rb he did mention he even had the uh world famous at this point more trifecta with uh all of those guys in there but he said he dropped chuba um geo and Elijah Moore, and currently has carter L. patterson kenny gill Ken- kenneth gainwell and daniel jones he said he was going to spend the remainder of his fab budget on uh hubbard um and and his waivers this week and drop jones to do that he said he's currently on three, um but had he started his best players over the last week he would be over the last week so he'd be three and oh but he said i guess anyone could say that uh, that's always the way um <laughs> when we're losing we think about the points on the bench so just wondering what advice you guys might have Uh, He said he didn't think it's a situation where he didn't draft enough receivers, but the wide receivers he has drafted aren't performing to the point that he needed them. He said any advice or reassurance or even realism would be welcome. So uh, in terms, Sean, of the overall there, I think it can be very tough, depending as well. You mentioned it earlier on the the roster size. Sometimes you do need to make those decisions quickly and do need to move on from players. And we had the questions around Geo, this time last week and then we've seen what happened in week three where his value looked a lot better elijah moore you know looks good but it's just not working out for the jets at the moment so no real problems with that patterson is a pretty good pickup i think that he has picked up and now if he can add hubbard to that and gainwell is getting opportunities as well but you know it didn't work out for the eagles on monday night football so i guess his question is filtering into a couple of things the fear of being Owen Tree and you know the the players and we've touched on this on some of the shows this week some of those top end players in the first two rounds maybe not scoring as high as we would have hoped through those first three weeks off the season what's your overall thoughts on what can be done I guess generally rest of season is there any reassurances or possibly realism tied in
3: well we don't traffic in realism do we Colin I mean that's that's no fun
2: we optimism, and
3: enthusiasm, to say. exactly. I mean, fantasy is, is what we're doing here in the first place. No, yeah, I, he says he could be three and I I don't think that's nothing, right? I mean, I don't, and not everybody can say that. <laughs> there are teams out there who are <laughs> pretty soundly and didn't have bench points. One of the things that we talk about with zero RB is that you know if you draft the way that we recommend drafting, there are these these situations where you can sometimes start 0 three, and and it's usually because you drafted players who have very wide range of outcomes compared to other players who would have been in that same draft slot. And so some of it's going to come down to your comfort with that, but then also it's going to come down to sort of your mentality as you push through the 0-3 starts when they do happen. Now, we're not saying that that's the goal or that that's not a big deal. Most of the teams that we're looking at, you know, 2-1, and 3-0, and oh, have a ton of wide receiver points. Even if things have worked against you, you're in good shape. But when these situations happen, if you're scoring a lot of bench points, if you have young guys who you expect to score better on the second half of the season, you know, Elijah Moore, someone that he's dropped, but someone who is also a pretty obvious buy low at this point, you're going to be moving in the right direction throughout the season. I think as you're kind of going through the scenarios in your own head and trying to decide what your tactics need to be. And this goes not only for this team, but, you know, we have a lot of listeners who have a lot of leagues. And so I'm sure that we have plenty of listeners who have 0-3 teams. I have an 0-3 team. Uh, In these environments, how you make the playoffs is something that you want to factor in a little bit, right? If you're in a 12-team league where six teams make the playoffs, you know, two have the first round by. If you need to be in the top half, you can still be somewhat patient. Now, We talk, especially in Dynasty, building these better than the best teams so that you get the buys every time. If you're in a redraft league, you're going to have a little bit less control over some of that. Your main thing is that you want to make the playoffs and you want to have the best team when the playoffs start. You can have some patience. If you're in a team that most points factor in, you can get a ton of points back. You can be patient, especially again this season, where we have an extra week. So you have an extra week to come back. If you're in a league where only four teams make the playoffs and – points don't factor it at all, you've got to start winning, then one of the things you probably unfortunately need to do is you need to take the narrower path. Now, we talk a lot about uh, you win by creating as many potential pathways to victory as possible, and then you go down the ones as the season transpires that allow you to do that. If you're 0-3, you have to be in the top four, you have to start winning, then you need to be aggressive to fill out your starting lineup right now even if that means that you're closing off some other avenues. And so that would kind of be the tactical element there that we're thinking through. You need to be aggressive. If, if if that's the way that your league works out. And so go after the players who will help you win. Now, if you have to give up some value or you have to give up some players that you expect to be good in week 10, week 11, you know, week 17, you have to do that because you, you do have to start winning. And so you want to look at how your league works, what the specific situation is, what your own roster is, and, and work through some of those things. In the vast majority of situations, you want to be patient. Don't make your team worse because, when I mean, you can't control what's going to happen. In any given week, you can have a week like last week where the Cowboys score 40 points and somehow CeeDee Lamb isn't involved because he's tackled at the one-inch line and Dak doesn't see him wide open in the end zone, right? You can't control that. That's not going to happen every week. You know, you have a situation where Stefan Diggs misses on three deep targets, could have had a huge game, instead has a game that doesn't do much for you at all. Bills score 40 points. You know, Diggs can't control that. I mean, Diggs has more control than you do, but you can't control that. You don't know what the future is going to hold. You want to have the best team possible, start the best lineup possible, give yourself the most chances to win, and then... Understand your specific league. Make some adjustments based on how things are working out in the league that you're
2: in right now. And thanks again to the guys for sending in those questions. Keep them coming. As I mentioned at the start of the show, send in the suggestions for the entrance players for the is overtime music at the start of the show we're going to set that up over the next week or so and of course i mentioned the q a that myself and sean are going to do from listener questions non-football related send them in as well that will be after episode 300 it's hard to believe we almost have 300 shows in the books but that's going to get us towards the end of today's show as always leave us a written review on your favorite podcast app we do appreciate that a lot and of course, if you want to get yourself a 10% discount from a Rotovis NFL pass, all you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout or go to com forward slash podcast for more information that is it for the week of Rotoviz ot make sure you also check out stadium bananas as well the three podcasts from sean and ben my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at Overtime ireland my co-host is sean siegel who i mentioned check out his work as well on And until next time have a good one